Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. As Christians, we need to continually refocus our mind and thoughts on the living Word of God, the Bible. Oftentimes, we allow our thoughts to flit to and fro in very unproductive and even harmful ways. Let's open our Bible now and see what it means to be prepared, controlled, obedient, and grace-filled Christians. Well, good afternoon and welcome to another teaching. Uh, today is Friday. We are here in Texas. And I was about, uh, man, I was I was a good hour late to, uh, to the recording and uh, nobody knew what was going on. My wife knew that I was outside. I had a, uh, I had just a, you know, just a, uh, a wonderful visit with just, a, he's a solid young guy named, named Edgar. And, uh, you know, he was a, uh, he's just a hard working door to door salesman. And, uh, man, we got to talking about Jesus and we just, you know, we were talking about his life and he was a young man, 20 years old and just uh, his interests. He's, he, uh, you know, he fights fires in the, uh, you know, in the, uh, you know, in the, in the fire States, you know, in the, um, you know, in the, in the Northwest United States and, um, you know, where they have like the big forest fires out there. He's an engine man, I guess, is what he told me. I'm not sure what that is. But uh, but anyway, man, we, we, we got to talking about Jesus and he shared his upbringing. Uh, he was raised a, a Jehovah's Witness. And, um, you know, like like many of us, like like many of us who were just raised in, you know, different aspects of the church and different denominations, you know, he just, uh, you know, he never, you know, he never really you know, never really appreciated it. And we got to talking about the difference between religion and relationship. Y'all have heard me say this many, many times. Yeah, we're not religious people. Biblical Christianity is about having a relationship with Jesus Christ, about growing to know Jesus and walk with Jesus after you have received him as your Lord and Savior. And so uh, Edgar and I talked about that today. And uh, for golly, like an hour and forty minutes outside my house, and uh, and at and at the end of our conversation, I asked him if he wanted to pray and ask Jesus to come into his heart, and he and he said, "Yeah, let's do it." And uh, and Edgar prayed and asked Jesus to come into his heart and be the Lord of his life and save him from his sin. And uh, man, it was just it was a divine appointment uh, from Jesus. I mean, um, you know, I I. I you know, in full-time ministry, I talk to a lot of people every day and people have different dispositions. And this guy just had a, he was easy to talk to, you know, and uh, thank you, Lord Jesus. I just thank you for, for our new brother, Edgar. Thank you, Jesus. So that's why I'm late. I'm sorry. Um, although I think how this goes, that by the time you're listening to this, you won't have known that I was late. Just, uh, just everybody that works in production was waiting on me. <laughs> so thank you, Lord Jesus. Um, so today we're going to do uh, continuing in First Peter. Today we're going to talk about First Peter one, verses thirteen through seventeen. Lord willing. So I'm going to go ahead and pray. We'll read it, and uh, we'll get rolling. 
Well, Lord Jesus, we thank you for your mercy and favor and goodness on our lives. We thank you, Lord, just for your love and goodness. Father, I thank you, Lord, for the word of God. Father, I thank you for my new brother, Edgar, Lord. I just thank you for the time to, to talk about Jesus with, uh, with this young man, Lord. I thank you that he gave his heart to Jesus, Lord. Um, and Father, I do pray you would do incredible things in this young man's life, Father. I pray that he would grow just to know Jesus and walk with Jesus without any religion, without any denomination, without any titles, except that I'm a Christian, that I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ, and my life is about knowing Jesus and walking with Jesus, Father. Um, I just thank you for this young man. I pray your blessing over him and his work and his family and his girlfriend and over everything he puts his hands to. Holy Spirit, I ask you to lead us and guide us now as we open the scriptures. We thank you for the living word of God. Father, we love you, we bless you, and we thank you. We commit this time into your hands. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. All right, 1 Peter 1, verse 13. Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Be self-controlled. Set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy, because I am holy. Since you call on a father who judges each man's work impartially, Live your lives as strangers here in reverent fear. Thank you, Lord Jesus. All right, verse 13. Again, as we always talk about, when you read the scriptures, you want to read them slowly and you want to think through them, Scott. You want to meditate on them. You want to really break them apart and think about them. So verse 13 says, therefore. Now, when you see therefore, you always want to ask, what is it therefore? And anytime you read the word therefore anywhere, you want to ask what it's there for. And certainly therefore here is referring to everything he just said in the first 12 verses of this chapter. Um, you know, he's talked about, you know, the sufferings of Christ and all that Jesus has done for you. Um, he's talking about how the prophets of the Old Testament spoke about the mercy and grace that was to come to us in Jesus Christ. He talked about how even angels want to look in and understand this incredible redemption and to understand how God works with human beings. And he says, therefore, in light of all this, right? Therefore, in light of all that Christ has done for you and done for me, verse 13, therefore, prepare your minds for action. Prepare your minds for action. Um, oftentimes, we can just let our minds go I was talking to Edgar today and, you know, sometimes we just let our minds be filled with all kinds of different things, all kinds of different philosophies, all kinds of different beliefs. OK, um, our job is to believe the living word of God, the Bible, to have a biblical worldview, OK, to think and believe simply what the Bible says in its plain teaching. I want to make it clear, not what any particular Christian denomination says, okay? Not what Baptists think, not what Catholics think, not what uh, Presbyterians think, not what Jehovah's Witnesses think, not what Mormons think, not what Calvinists think, not what, you know, uh, you know um, Anglicans think, um, 
but just what the Bible says, right? We don't follow people. We follow the word of God, okay? And the word of God leads us to the son of God, Jesus Christ, as our savior, as our redeemer, as our God, brings us into relationship through Jesus Christ. We come to know the Holy Trinity, God the Father as our heavenly father, Jesus Christ as our only Lord and savior and master and king. The Holy Spirit becomes our counselor and our comforter and our guide when we, when we receive Jesus. Um, wherever you are today in the world, if you have not received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you can do so right now. Just like with my brother Edgar, uh, what, an hour, hour and a half ago, you can call on Jesus. And all that simply means is you confess to Jesus that you admit that, that you're a sinful person, that you want your own way, that you have done wrong. The Bible God has given his word in Romans 3.23 that every human being has sinned and falls short of God's standard. It says that plainly throughout the scriptures, that human beings are sinful and that we need a savior. And if you'll call on Jesus today and just confess to him, Lord Jesus, I confess that I'm a sinful man or sinful woman. And Lord, I know I can't save myself, Lord. I need you. And therefore, Lord Jesus, I do ask you now to come into my heart and be the Lord of my life and save me from my sin and bring me to heaven when I die. Jesus, I place all my faith and hope and trust and confidence in you alone to save me and to be my everlasting Lord and God. I mean, if you truly call on Jesus and you mean it and you genuinely ask him to come into your heart and save you from your sin, you will be saved. You'll become a Christian and God the Father will become your heavenly Father. Jesus Christ will become your Lord and Savior, your master, your king, your husband. You'll be part of the bride of Christ, as the Bible says. You'll be part of the, uh, the body of Christ with all true Christians. You'll be a, a brother or sister in Christ with them. And, uh, and as I said, the Holy Spirit, God the Holy Spirit, will come and live inside of you and be your guide and your comforter and your counselor. And so if you don't know, if you've never called on Jesus, Romans 10, 13 promises that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, as Edgar did today. If you genuinely call on the name of Jesus and ask him to come into your heart and be the Lord of your life, you will be saved. This has nothing to do with church, okay? We're not talking to going to church. We're not talking about being a part of a church. Going to church is a good thing, okay? It's good for us to go and be a part of a good Bible-based church that teaches the Bible. Be part of good Bible-based ministries, when you listen to these teachings, all we're doing is teaching the word of God. All that's a good thing. But none of that has anything to do with you being saved and going to heaven and having a relationship and coming into relationship with Jesus. That happens by trusting in Jesus Christ. Um, again, all those other things are good things. But when it comes to being forgiven of our sin, having relationship with the triune God and going to heaven, that comes totally and completely on trusting Jesus Christ and nothing else. And the consequence of that is when we do that, we come into relationship with Jesus. And I mean, it's, it's an incredible thing. It's the most beautiful thing in the world. I mean, having a relationship with Jesus. And Jesus is just the coolest guy in the world. I mean, he's just so, the more we get to know Jesus, the more we want to get to know him. But it says in verse 13, therefore, prepare your minds for action. Okay, we it says be self-controlled. Prepare your minds for action. Be self-controlled. We want to have our minds and our thoughts thinking 
on sound things, okay? That's why we have a biblical worldview. We believe what the Bible says. We want to have our minds locked in on what the Bible says. Um, amazingly, today when I was talking to Edgar, he said so many things that he wants to do in his life and the kind of man he wants to be, and they were all very noble things. And he was surprised when I told him that everything that he had said has its roots in the scriptures, in the Bible. Um, anything of really any value ever has its roots in the scripture. But the way to unlock all that is to first come to know Jesus Christ. And in knowing Jesus Christ, your sins will, will be forgiven. His spirit, the Holy Spirit, will come and live in you and will empower you by his grace to live for him and be the kind of man and woman that the Bible wants you to be and that you and I should want to be. But in order to do that, it says, therefore, prepare your minds for action. So we need to, to prepare our thinking, okay? Our thinking ought to be in line with the Word of God and the Son of God, Peyton, right? The Son of God and the Word of God. Be self-controlled, okay? We, we have to control ourselves. We have to control our minds, our thoughts, our words. Um, when we're not self-controlled, nothing can happen except, you know, we just live in a sinful way when we're out of control, right? When our mouth is out of control, when our words are out of control, and certainly I'm guilty of this, um, it's just completely unproductive. We want to be self-controlled men and women, right, Josh? Um, we don't want to be emotionally compromised, right, brother? Um, uh, my brother Josh, when he joined this ministry, I don't know, five years ago, and we were, we were talking about these things, he, he enjoyed that, that term emotionally compromised. And, uh, and ever since, he's done just an incredible job of being self-controlled and not letting his emotions get the better of him. Good job, brother. Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Be self-controlled. Set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. You see that? It's the end of verse 13. Set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. Are you hoping in trusting and relying on Jesus Christ fully, not just in the past when you prayed to receive him as your savior, not just in the present right now, but you need to set your hope fully on the grace of Jesus when Jesus comes or when you go to him. We, we, we need the grace of God back when we prayed to receive Christ. We need it presently in our day-to-day -day actions, and we want the grace of God to come in the future when we go to see Jesus or Jesus comes to get us, set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. You need to be trusting fully, totally, and only in Jesus. First Peter 1 verse 13. Set your hope fully on the grace to be given you. We cannot hope in ourselves. We cannot hope in our church. We cannot hope in our parents. We cannot hope in our spouse. We can't hope in our kids. You can't hope in your pastor. You certainly can't hope in me. Your hope and your trust is fully in the unmerited favor and love of our God in Jesus Christ our Lord. That's where your hope and my hope have to be fully in everything. And the more it is, the deeper our relationship with Jesus will be and the better will experience relationship with him. Verse 14, as obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. Um, 
talking to Edgar today, he's, you know, he's, he's, he's a young man that really seems to be, uh, you know, he's just a solid young man. He really, you know, he doesn't drink. He said he just, he doesn't have, he really has very few problems, you know, of, of anything that's, uh, like overtly sinful. I didn't become a Christian until I was 27 years old and I had lived a sinful worldly life um, before I came to Christ, as I was explaining to him today. Uh, Verse 14 says, as obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance, okay? For the vast majority of us who became Christians as adults, and unfortunately for even most Christians in the church, we can, we can often fall into the temptations of the world and conform to the evil desires of the world. Now, you notice Peter says that evil desires are a reality. Verse 14, as obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. When you lived in ignorance means before you knew Jesus, before you knew what the Bible said to do. But notice that it says there are evil desires. There is right and wrong. The Bible is clear on this. The Bible tells us very clearly and completely how to think, how to speak, how to live, how to love, how to act, how to, how to, how to give, and how to forgive. The Bible is clear. And when we live in ways that are outside of this, when we conform to, it says evil desires. Human beings have a sinful nature. We have a nature. It's amazing. This, I, I don't know how, Edgar, you and I talked about all these things today, but did we not talk about all these things? And I wasn't planning on matching that to this scripture. Again, we talked about how we have divine appointments set by Jesus. And that time with Edgar today was one of them. Um, As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. We are born into this world with a nature that's contrary to God, a sinful nature that we want our own way. We want to do what we want to do and how we want to do it. I confess it. I'm still a selfish man. I can see in so many ways. I was today. I just, I mean, I like my own way, but Peter says you got to not conform to that, right? The evil desires that we have, Kristen, we need to, uh, you know, we need to, We need to walk away from them. You need to just to suppress them. You need to say no to them and you need to ask Jesus for help. And when we do fall and make mistakes, we quickly repent, right, Lauren? We ask Jesus to forgive us. Um, As obedient children, God is our father. You're his child if you're a Christian today. You're trusting in Jesus Christ. God the father is your heavenly father. And we're called to be obedient children. Now, this has nothing to do with our salvation. Nothing to do with our sins being forgiven. Nothing to do with going to heaven. It's my Diet Coke. Man, it's good. I'm thirsty. Oh, man, a drink is good. I recommend it. Um, I'm not a spokesman for Coke or nothing. I just like Diet Coke. Particularly when you're in another country like, you know, when you're in Singapore and it's hot or even worse, like if you're in the, if you're in the jungles of Africa deep down at the base of Africa in Mozambique, where where uh, my brother Jesse, he's an elder in the ministry, and I were, well, I tell you, it's just, I mean, Diet Coke is like a, like a drink from heaven. You can't drink the water, right? Um, and so you drink bottled water, of course, but 
just nothing like a Diet Coke. I'm just, I'm just having a flashback moment. Whew, thank you, Lord Jesus. You notice it says, before you knew Jesus, you lived in ignorance, Matthew. There are a lot of ignorant Christians out there. Do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. If you're not in Christ, you're living in ignorance today. I didn't write it. This is what the Bible says. If you're not in Christ and living for Christ, the only alternative is you're living in ignorance, Tom. That's the only alternative. There's no two ways. There's no middle ground. You can't be on the fence, man. Either you're in Christ and living for Christ or you're living in ignorance. That's what the Bible teaches. That's why we have a biblical worldview. Our worldview in this ministry, as should every Christian, is to live based on the word of God and the son of God, Jesus Christ. And when we do live in ignorance, which all of us make mistakes and do, we're quick to repent and ask Jesus to forgive us and, uh, and start living correctly again. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Verse 15. So we don't conform to the evil desires we had when we lived in ignorance, but just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. Verse 16, for it is written, be holy because I am holy. To be holy means to be set apart. Set apart in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Set apart as a child of God, a son or daughter of God the Father. Set apart as belonging and sealed in one with the Spirit of Jesus who lives in you, the Holy Spirit, and walking with Jesus. To be holy means to be set apart, okay? That you're not a part of the world and a part of Jesus. You're set apart just living for Jesus, loving for Jesus, giving for Jesus, and forgiving for Jesus, Melanie. Right? We're set apart to Jesus. I'll say again, this has nothing to do with our salvation, but this is how we ought to live if we want to grow to know Jesus and love Jesus and walk with Jesus, right? Thank you, Lord Jesus. You see, Edgar, this is what you're going to be doing in years to come. You're going to be powerful telling, powerfully telling people about Jesus Christ and his love and what it means to be a Christian, right? Thank you, Lord Jesus. Be holy because I am holy. Jesus is holy. Jesus was perfect when he walked the earth. Never sinned in thought, word, or deed. He was perfect. You remember the last verse of Matthew 5, I believe it's verse 48. Jesus says, therefore, be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. That wasn't a platitude. He meant it when he said it. Now, obviously, as human beings, we're not perfect. We do make mistakes. When we do, we say, I'm sorry. We own up to them. But we should strive to do things rightly and correctly. And by the way, what's right is what it says in your Bible. That's what's right. We don't get to make up what's right in our own mind or in our own thoughts or what so-and-so said. What's right is not what your mom said, your dad said, your pastor said. What's right is what the word of God says, what your Bible says. What it says in the scriptures, Abraham, is what's right. What's right, Robin, is what it says in the living word of God in your Bible. That's what's right. But just as he who called you is holy, Jesus called you as holy. So be holy in all you, in everything you do, 
you want to be holy. And I confess that I'm not. Father, I ask you to help me to, uh, to increasingly more and more be holy in everything I do. And why? Verse 16, for it is written. The reason you want to be holy in all you do is it says it in your Bible. The reason you believe in Jesus is because it says it in your Bible. The reason you believe you Jesus died on the cross is because it says it in your Bible. The reason you believe that Jesus was raised from the dead is it says it in your Bible. The reason that you're trusting in Jesus to save you from your sins is because your Bible says you're a sinful person and you need a savior and that savior is Jesus Christ. The reason you're a Christian today is because it says it in your Bible. God has given his word. The Bible is the actual living word of God. When you read your Bible, it's the same as God speaking to you and saying, I give you my word, Mandy, that you are a sinner. I give you my word that you need a savior. I give you my word that Jesus Christ is your only hope to be saved from your sin, to go to heaven when you die, to escape from hell, and to experience intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. The reason you do anything is because it says it in your Bible. The reason you don't do things is because your Bible says don't do it. Everything in your life needs to be based on the Word of God and the Son of God. You need your Bible, but you need first the Jesus of the Bible. When you receive Jesus Christ into your heart, it activates the Bible. It empowers the Bible. It like it makes the Bible come alive. If you don't have Jesus in your heart today, the Bible's a dead book to you. You can't understand the word of God until you are a living creature. And when you when Jesus comes to live in your heart, you become alive, you become one with Jesus, and you become empowered as you're one with Jesus to know Jesus and to know his word, the Bible. In the scriptures, people come to Jesus. Jesus says, you search the scriptures diligently day and night because you think by them you have eternal life. But these are the very scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. You'll see the words on the YouTube. I believe it's John 5. Um, the word of God tells you to give your life to Jesus. And when you give your life to Jesus, the Bible will come alive to you. It'll be exciting to you. It'll make sense to you. So I'll say again, if you have not called on Jesus today, do it now. Ask him to come into your heart and be the Lord of your life. Rewind the tape. And I, I gave a, a prayer. Again, that's a model prayer. You repeat the words, but what's important is that you mean them before Jesus. Verse 17, and we'll finish up here. Since you call on a father who judges each man's work impartially, live your lives as strangers here in reverent fear. As Christians, we have become far too comfortable in the world today. We've become too comfortable with just living in the world. We've become too comfortable with the world's ways. And it's unbiblical. It's sinful. Okay. We're called to live as strangers in the world. Right. But I confess there's just, you know, so much of the world that 
that I seemingly enjoy, right? And I'm not saying there's anything wrong. You can watch a Netflix show, but we're consumed with Netflix and Instagram and Facebook and Snapchat and Twitter and social media and just um, glamour and vanity, right? I'm very proud of one of my daughters, um, uh, my daughter, Lauren and Kristen, actually, both of them have been been really trying to work on vanity. They're beautiful girls. I mean, they're my daughters. Well, you know, they're going to be pretty, right? Um, but, uh, I mean, they're, they're working on not being vain. And, uh, and, I, and, I, and I've just been very blessed and proud just to see the effort that they're, they're both putting in on that. My daughter Kristen is getting married in October, and, and what an exciting time. Right, she's getting married, and to to my man Nathan, just uh, my soon-to-be son-in-law, and I just man, I love that kid. He's not a kid; he's like a thirty-year-old man. He's an architect. He's a good guy, and he's a he's a solid disciple of Jesus Christ. But you know, they've they've confessed though; they've gotten all caught up in the wedding, in all the the glitz and the glamour of the wedding, and and we can all do that, man. Right? It's a wedding; it's exciting. But but man, weddings are about Jesus, right? When, when a man and woman come together, it's supposed to be a picture of the believer being one and married to Jesus Christ, right? I mean, marriage, biblical marriage, remember, is, is temporary. Marriage, is, marriage was created by God as a temporary institution. It's only an earthly institution. You're not going to be married to your spouse in heaven. You'll be married to Jesus. So marriage, biblical marriage was created to be a picture of what the believer's eternal unity with Christ looks like, right? A marriage does not supersede this life. Whoever you're married to today, you won't be married to in heaven because you're, you're married to Jesus now. You're part of the bride of Christ now. You're one with Jesus now if you're a Christian and he's living in you. And that'll go on for all eternity. But whoever you're married to now, whoever your spouse is now, that'll end at the end of this life. Um, and in any way, it's just so easy to get caught up in all the exciting details. And I want this to be the most beautiful, incredible and wonderful wedding ever. Right. But at the same time, you know, uh, Nathan and Kristen want it to be about Jesus, you know, more and more. And, uh, so anyway, I'm just really, uh, really blessed by the fact that my daughters are trying to, to live more as strangers in the world. But uh, what I'm saying is it's hard. I confess that I personally fail in this regrettably consistently. And Father, I do ask you to help us, Lord, to uh, just to more live our lives as strangers here. It says, live your lives as strangers here in reverent fear. In reverent fear. So we've made fear and reverence the same thing in the body of Christ, in their not. You have heard that the fear of God is to have an, is the fear of God is to have an awe and reverence of God. And certainly that's true, but it's more than that. It does mean to be afraid as well. Not afraid that he's going to throw you to hell. If you've received Jesus as your Savior, your, your sins are forgiven and you will go to heaven. And if you haven't received Jesus, it's not that God is throwing you into hell. You've chosen that on your own. Your Father loves you and he wants everyone to come to know him, right? Uh, 1 Timothy 2.4 says that it's his will all people be saved. 2 Peter 3.9 says it's his will no one perish. People will say a loving God would never send anyone to hell. No, he won't. They choose that on their own. 
If you have not chosen Jesus Christ as your only Lord and Savior for the forgiveness of your sins and the salvation of your soul, you have, you know, you have chosen hell is the only other option. Does that make sense? That's what the Bible teaches. It's not popular, but that's what the scriptures teach. We ought to have, we ought to be strangers and live our lives in in reverence of God, but in, in, in the fear of God, knowing that our heavenly father loves us. And as he's a father in heaven, as C.S. Lewis said, he's not a grandfather in heaven. Our heavenly father does discipline us and it is unpleasant. Verse 17, since you call on a father who judges each man's work impartially, live your lives as strangers here in reverent fear. What does that mean? Look at this verse. First Peter 1 Peter 1.17, since you call on a father who judges each man's work impartially. So your heavenly father is judging how you live your life now, and there'll be a judgment in heaven, right? I've said this before. My sister Wendy has this as a, a passion that the body of Christ understand the two judgments, right? There are two judgments in heaven. One of them is the great white throne judgment in Revelation chapter 20. and That's a judgment for all unbelievers. Unbelievers will be judged by their works. None of them will be good enough to attain heaven. And ultimately, they'll all be assigned a place in hell where they have to pay off their sin debt. And the interest is so great that it'll never be paid. That's for anyone who has not received Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior will be at the great white throne judgment. Where it's a judgment for every unbeliever who refused Jesus Christ. Now there's another judgment. It's called the judgment seat of Christ. And now this is a judgment for those who were Christians, who are Christians, who did genuinely trust and receive Jesus Christ. They'll go to judge. They'll go to the judgment seat of Jesus Christ where their life in Christ will be judged impartially. As Peter says here, you're going to be judged not for your sin. If you're a Christian, All of your sin will have already been credited and paid for by Christ. The perfect righteous life of Christ was credited to you. And so you were saved. So this is not a judgment for your sin. This will be a judgment for your works and the fruit you bore for the kingdom of God. How you lived your life in Christ from the time you got saved. Edgar got saved today. He asked Jesus to come in to his heart today. So from this day forward. Edgar will be judged at the judgment seat of Christ for how he lived his life in Jesus Christ. He's 20 years old. Hopefully, he lives, if he lives to 100, he'll have 80 years of fruitful living in Jesus Christ our Lord. I look forward to it. Thank you, Jesus. Um, so, yeah, those are the two judgments. The judgments, one judgment for believers in Jesus Christ has nothing to do with going to heaven. That's already been done by Christ. But it'll be a judgment for your reward in heaven. No Christian will have the same reward in heaven. Your reward will be dictated by how you cooperated with the Spirit of God, cooperated with the grace of God, and the advancement of the Son of God, the Gospel of God, the Word of God, and the Kingdom of God. So, you know, based on how you lived your life working as a Christian, Right. And living for Christ, loving for Christ, giving for Christ, forgiving for Christ, using your time, your talents and your money in the advancement of God's kingdom. 
That's all going to come up at this judgment seat of Christ, and you'll be rewarded accordingly. Everyone will be in heaven based on what Jesus Christ has done. Your reward in heaven, your position in heaven, your authority in heaven, your job in heaven, that will be entirely based on how you lived for Christ in this life after you became a Christian. As I said, the other judgment, the great white throne judgment, is for unbelievers only, all unbelievers in the history of the world, and they will be assigned their reward or their place in hell accordingly. Just like everyone won't have the same reward in heaven, not everyone will have the same punishment in hell. And that makes it clear. Since you call on a father who judges each man's work impartially, listen, everything's going to be what it's going to be. Live your lives as strangers here in reverent fear. That needs to be, that really needs to be the focus of our lives is to live not only in the reverence and awe of God, but in reverent fear. You know, as, as Christians, we can just be very loose. We can be loose in how we, we gossip. We can be loose in just how careless we are and how we speak about other people. Um, and, and, it's, and it's unfitting. I, I, know, I know non-Christians who often behave better than Christians. I mean, better than myself included. And, uh, and it's just not okay. So, Lord Jesus, we just worship you and we thank you. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for the word of God. Father, I do ask you to help us to uh, prepare our minds for action and to truly be self-controlled. Help us to set our hope fully on the grace to be given us when Jesus Christ is revealed. Help us to completely be relying on the grace and mercy of you, our God and Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Father, I ask you to help us to be obedient children and to not conform to the evil desires we had before we came to know Christ, before we knew what the Bible said, Father. Help us to repent of all just the ways we still act and speak in ways that are, uh, that are unbiblical, Lord. Thank you, Father. Father, I ask you to help us to be holy because it says it in our Bible, Father. Help us to be set apart to Jesus Christ and to live lives that are holy and Christ-like because it says it in our Bible. Father, I ask you to help us to do everything because it says it in our Bible. We believe in Jesus, Father, because it says it in our Bible. We trust in Jesus because it says it in our Bible. Father, help us to live our lives believing the word of God and living our lives according to the word of God simply because it says it in our Bible. Um, and Father, since we do call on a father, as our Father, you will judge our work impartially, Lord, without any favoritism. I do ask you to help us to live our lives here on earth as strangers in reverent fear, in fear of, of living in a way that's not pleasing to you, as to our loving Father. Holy Spirit, we love you, we bless you, and we thank you. Lord Jesus, we worship you. We commit this time into your hands. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. For more information about our ministry, please visit www.kingdomd.org. If you'd like to email us directly, you can reach us at contact at kingdomd.org.